Arizona 42, New Orleans 34. I mean, I guess we could just leave it at that and move on and say, there's your show, Datitude's over, but that wouldn't be any fun. What do you glass half full people have to say? Well, I'm full of something, and it's coming up next. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of danitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at New Orleans. And hello to all my friends elsewhere who are beginning to think about all the possibilities the 2023 season might bring and where the black and gold might be picking in next year's NFL draft. Yep. Oh boy. I'll give you my thoughts on the Saints 42 to 34 loss to the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night and Derry's dime in just a few seconds. But let's get through the preliminaries first. This is Datitude, episode number 106 for a Friday, October 21st, 2022. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate in bet.nola.com. Let's not waste any more time. Jeff Duncan will be along shortly. He was live from Scottsdale, Arizona. So if you're looking for any chance at positive talk, you're just going to have to wait. No, Dunk's actually a little... He's, he's was way more positive than I expected because after I read his column, I didn't think he was going to be that positive. Not that he's positive. How can you possibly be positive? And there are people that are, oh, the season's not over yet. They're only two and five. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Just wait. Also, Uncle Big Nick, Uncle Big Nick is not going to come on the show this morning. Um, he had some things going on with work, but he did send me his bets, and I am going to share our best bets at the end of the show. I have been hot. Uncle Big Nick has been up and down. If you've been following me, you're making money. And so along with, you know, what's about to come in this monologue and then to come with Jeff Duncan, it's worth listening to because we're going to make it worth your while. We are going to keep this positive streak going. Six consecutive weeks of better than 500. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. You're making money every single week if you're betting the picks. So stay, stick around. That's coming up after, at the very end of the show. You know, speaking of Jeff Duncan, I was thinking about many of my colleagues near the end of the loss last night. And, uh, you know, I'll, I've been there. But I, I've forgotten how to write the same thing over and over again. Over and over again with a different spin. I was thinking, what words would they use to come up with to describe what happened on the State Farm Stadium field on Thursday night? Probably not the same ones I would use or will use in this dime as we get going here. Embarrassing. Unacceptable. Inexcusable. Although Dennis Allen used an excuse in one of the first questions he was asked on Thursday night. What's your biggest concern regarding this team the way it's playing right now? Uh, my biggest concern is that we, we haven't had, um, you know, the health of our players. 
you know, uh, we got into this game tonight, and, and Roby goes out in the first series, and um, and so, you know, we're really down to two corners, and this is a, a big, you know, 11 personnel team that's going to throw three wide receivers out there, and uh, made it challenging. Interesting. You didn't have the health of your players last year, but Sean Payton let a team chock full of guys we've never heard of, and many we choose not to remember. On the way to a 9-8 and eight record, on the cusp of the playoffs, up to the final day of the 2021 regular season. There are no excuses for two pick sixes in the course of 64 seconds. There are no excuses for a defense that seemed to, well, let's say, give up after two three and outs to start the half, the second half. But the offense could only muster three points to cut it to 28-17. There are no excuses for a veteran quarterback and Andy Dalton, who only finished with 347 passing yards because the Arizona defense was allowing completions in front of them throughout nearly the entire second half, as their lead never shrunk to fewer than 11 points until the final minute. So no, no, don't don't tell me Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Marshawn Lattimore, and Paulson Adebo weren't in there. I get that Roby was going early too. That didn't seem to matter much the first quarter and a half as the Saints took a 14-6 lead. And you fans out there, you social media geniuses, don't tell me Taysom Hill is the answer at quarterback. Especially if you're the same person who was all over Andy Dalton and maybe still is, and he should be the starter over Jameis Winston. That's all I've been hearing for three or four weeks. Didn't hear it as much last night. Didn't hear it as much this morning. Taysom Hill is not the answer. Andy Dalton is not the answer. And to be fair and honest, Jameis Winston might not be the answer either. But we don't know that yet. I know this. The 2021 Saints would have won this game easily. The 2022 Saints, they gave up 28 first-half points to a team that had scored 29 points all season long in the first two quarters of their previous six games. 12 quarters, 29 points. Two quarters against the Saints, 28 points. Indeed, the Saints administered an elixir to their Cardinals offense that had been so inept, they scored nine points in week six against the Seattle team that allowed 148 points in their previous four games. To his credit, Cam Jordan wasn't making excuses. But he played more than a decade under Peyton, where excuses were intolerable. I mean, if you want excuses, we have tons of those. We're not looking for excuses. We're looking for solutions. And again, I think we have the right next man up mentality to make those solutions happen. I think we have to go into this, into each and every game, knowing that if this is what we got, it's good enough. And it should be good enough. The talent that was on the field last night was good enough to win. And they proved that at many different points of the contest. Even though Dalton proved why he, at this stage of his career, he's nothing more than a backup, whether you want to hear it or not or whether you're willing to admit it or not, that's not the point here. He did shake off those interceptions in the first half, and he found a way to move the ball after going missing for about 20 minutes of game play. But again, the defense had given up by then. Every time... This team had a chance to make a key stop and give the offense a shot at turning it back into a one-score game. They failed. 
Good teams don't make excuses, they make plays. They make plays with young guys and they make plays with veterans. They make plays with backups. They make plays with guys who just came off the practice squad. Good teams make plays. Yeah, frustrated. Frustrated, but not uh, not despondent. Not, you know, I, we're, we still, everything that we want to accomplish is still right there out in front of us. And... Uh, and I'm fully confident that this team will, will, will put together a string of wins and turn things around. Well, of course he has to say that. What else would a head coach say? But that's not what anyone who has watched football for longer than the lifespan of a gnat would say. A fan is a fan, and the old cliche of, I never give up on my team is fine and dandy. The most optimistic of optimists will say, This team is only one and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. Those dudes certainly aren't playing like world beaters. And, you know, hey, Gary, did did you hear what Jim Morris said to Fletcher Mackle last night on the WDSU postgame broadcast? You didn't? Well, let me play it for you. Now, let's go now live to our colleagues on the field, Sharif Aishak and Jim Moore. And Sharif, you want to ask Jim a question for us? Ask him, is the season over? I know he likes when I ask him that. What? <laughs> oh no. Fletcher wants me to bait you. Bait me for what? He wants, to be, he wants me to bait you to ask this question. You ready? We're yeah. live. Two or five. Question. I, I get to ask you this question yeah. on live TV once again, like we did six years ago after the Saints lost to the Falcons. Is the Saints season over now that they're two and five? Oh. Did Fletcher say that? Hey, I mean, yeah, he's a, it's live right now. He's asking you. He's asking right now. Is he? Yeah, it's live. He wants to know, is this season over? Are we Are we on? Yeah, we're live. Are you serious? Yeah. Fletcher, you're full of you-know-what. When you think the season's over at 2 and 5, get out of here, man. What kind of a supporter are you? You live in New Orleans. You were born in New Orleans. You were raised in New Orleans. And you're saying the season's over at 2 and 5? Give me a break. <laughs> Holy mackerel, Fletcher. What kind of a loyal Saints fan and supporter are you? Blows my mind. Get out of here, man. This season over. Holy mackerel. Hell no, it's not season over. What if they won five in a row? Be seven and five. They're being the hunt. You never know. Every week's different. Get out of here. I love Coach Mora, but isn't he the same guy who said coulda, woulda, shoulda in playoffs? I mean, he said it right here on this show a couple months ago. Well, that, that's all fine, Coach Mora, and you pie-in-the-sky hoodats. Mathematically, the season is not over. But here's the big question, and I mean big question from a realist. What have you seen from this lethargic, incohesive, chemistry-free bunch that leads you to believe the Saints can win seven of the last ten games to go 9-8 and eight? like last year's team did. What can they do to keep those visions of sugar plums and playoff games dancing in their heads or in your heads? Because seven and three down the stretch is what it's going to take. They can lose just three more games this season and still finish with a winning record. Three more. There's 10 left. They can lose three more. There's a trip ahead to San Francisco who just traded for Christian McCaffrey and very well could be the favorite in the NFC by that game on November 27th. There's a Monday night contest the next week in Tampa 
where Tom Brady will be looking to exact more revenge before he rides out into the single party time sunset life. There's a Christmas Eve trip to Cleveland where Deshaun Watson will be back and ready to pick apart this Swiss cheese secondary. And there's a New Year's Day game against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the last undefeated team in the league this season, and the same guys who scored 40 on the Saints last year when this defense was actually good. And those are just some of the road games. We didn't mention the upcoming games in the Dome against Devontae Adams and the Las Vegas Raiders, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, Cooper Cup and the defending world champion Los Angeles Rams. And I know what's on your mind, you optimist. You never give up. You diehard fans. I know what you're thinking. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Um, yeah, uh, something like that. They say that hope springs eternal, but I am still looking for that dude named they. And that's my dime. I mean, I want to be positive. Look, you can say whatever you want, you eternal optimist. I've picked this team to win every single game this year, and I have no idea why. I, I do the analysis. I look at it and say, you know what? I think this team is better than the other team. I've done that every game, except maybe Tampa. The only reason why I picked Tampa is because, you know, they were 1-1 one and one at the time. Or they were 1-0 and oh at the time, I guess. And, I, you know, I just didn't want to bash my head against the wall if the Saints had won four in a row. So I picked the Saints to win that one when I really didn't think they would win. But other than that, each time I thought the Saints would win. I thought the Saints were better than the team they were playing. And the sad thing is I still think the Saints are a better team than the ones they played. They might even be better than Tampa. They might not be better than Minnesota, but I think other than that, they're better than every team they've played so far, which is why it's more frustrating. Where is the chemistry going to come from? You, you can't just go in a lab and, and find it, but they got to find it fast. And that's pretty much what Jeff Duncan and I talk about. If you missed the live show this morning, here it is. Here's what we had to say. When we're finished with Duncan, we will come back with our NFL picks, and well, Uncle Big Nick's got college picks as well. Our picks for the weekend to try to win you some more money, and then we'll wrap up the show, and I'll give you a programming note. It is what it is, Dunk. Um, you know, it, it's it's a performance that I don't think any of us expected. Uh, the, the Saints had been playing a little bit better, and certainly the part that was unexpected were the turnovers by Andy Dalton in the first half that basically started led to their demise. 64 seconds, and to me, the season's over. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I would go that far, but it's certainly a imposing hole that they've dug. Uh, two and five, uh, you know, the Eagles started two and five last year and made the playoffs 
I think the best thing the Saints have going for them is the division is so non-competitive that they do still have a chance. But I think more than anything, Jim, it's, uh, you know, the mistakes that they keep having, they keep compounding. Uh, they're not just, you know, a false start penalty here or there. I mean, we're talking about game-changing uh, plays, pick sixes, things like right. that. You just you just can't overcome when, you, when you're as beat up as the Saints are right now. They really have very little margin for error. And, um, you know, they've got to find a way to dig out of this. And, uh, you know, I think everyone's looking for solutions and <clears throat> trying to assign blame. And I really think it's difficult to do because this this team is so injury riddled right now that that's kind of where it starts. That that's really the root of the problem, in my opinion. And then it that creates a bunch of cascading problems from the root. Uh, you know, you end up with a guy like Marquez Callaway lets the ball go off his hands. It's a pick six. Uh, he normally wouldn't be in that prime of a role if you had other players out there. You know, it, these things start happening because you're playing a lot of different players, a lot of guys maybe in roles that they're probably not positioned for. Jeff Duncan with me this morning, Datitude episode, episode number 106, live every Friday here on all these same NOAA.com and bed.noaa.com uh, social media stations. And we already have a couple comments. We're going to get to them in just a moment. If you would like to leave a comment, we'll be glad to show it and read it here on the air. If you have a question for Jeff Duncan or myself, we'll be glad to read that as well. Uh, after this is over, I'm going to put this uh, in, our, in our regular podcast spot, and you, you might be interested to listen to my monologue if, if you're a masochist, because I'm not, you know, Dunk's not not po- not being positive, but I am way less positive than, than Mr. Duncan is, and that's usually the case. But I try to tell it like it is, and the words that I, that I used this morning after that game in my monologue were embarrassing, unacceptable, and inexcusable. And I know... You come up with the, you talk about the injury excuses, but don't. You look back to last year. This team had started more players than than any. I think it was more than any team had ever started in the in NFL history, and they found a way to go nine and eight. So to be two and five with the schedule they've had and the chances that they've had, to me, are simply inexcusable. Well, you make a good point. I mean, I think part of the issue right now is you have a new coach and a couple new uh, coaches in coordinator positions that they weren't in last year. So you kind of have a little bit of a crisis of adversity early on. And then it, you know, no one could have foreseen this, I think, happening this early. And so now all these different people in leadership positions are being tested. Yeah. I think that's really where this team is at. I know Alvin Kamara, <clears throat> after the game, gather the team and kind of said this is not Saints football well part of the problem with that in my opinion is what what this whole group and this coaching staff and this whole organization has known as Saints football the last decade and a half has really been identified and defined by Sean Payton and Drew Brees and they're not here not right now that's right so, so so that that's where I see the crisis right now that you know the leadership I use this analogy and this is probably a bad one, but if you, if you saw The Godfather, you know, the great movie, uh, you, you know, they, they're in a, almost in a war right now, and they need a wartime consigliere, and it, it's not Tom Hagen, right? Remember, they, yes. they, they need someone with that type of leadership. And so that's, I'm not assigning blame to Dennis Allen because I think he's, he's inherited a, a, just a really bad set of circumstances, but in this situation, he is really going to be tested as a head coach because this adversity 
is coming at him from all sides, and everyone's looking at him. He's the head coach, and um, we're going to find out what he's made of, really, to be honest with you. We're going to get back to Dennis Allen because I have some things to say about him uh, in a little bit. I talk about him in, in my monologue. Uh, but there's an interesting clip, and I, we didn't get a chance to talk because we before the show, so I didn't get a chance to tell you one of my plans. But it was a clip last night that I found interesting, and Jim Moore is always good for a quote. And listening to Fletcher and, and Jim Moore and Sharif Shack on the Channel 6 show last night, there's a, there's a one-minute clip that I want to play here, and it goes to this question, or a comment, I guess. Field Guy 316 says, why is everyone saying the season is over? There are 10 more games. It could happen. Just saying, Field Guy, you definitely want to listen to my monologue and how I finish it. But it goes to this clip, which I also played. So those who are, you, who are listening to the, uh, the, the podcast itself, You've heard this already, but it's worth hearing again, and I think it's interesting. So listen to this real quick. Let's go now live to our colleagues on the field, Sharif Aishak and Jim Moore. And Sharif, you want to ask Jim a question for us? Ask him, is the season over? I know he likes when I ask him that. What? (laughs) Oh, no. Fletcher wants me to bait you. Bait me for what? He wants wants me to bait you to ask this question. You ready? We're live. Two and five. I get to ask you this question yeah. on live TV once again, like we did six years ago after the Saints lost to the Falcons. Is the Saints season over now that they're two and five? Oh. Did Fletcher say that? I mean, yeah, he's a- it's live right now. He's asking you. Huh? He's asking right now. Is he? Yeah, it's live. He wants to know is the season over. Are we, are we on? Yeah, we're live. Are you serious? Yeah. Fletcher, you're full of you know what. The season's over at two and five. Get out of here, man. What kind of a supporter are you? You live in New Orleans. You were born in New Orleans. You were raised in New Orleans. And you're saying the season's over at two and five? Give me a break. <laughs> Holy mackerel, Fletcher. What kind of a loyal Saints fan and supporter are you? It blows my mind. Get out of here, man. The season over. Holy mackerel. Hell no, it's not season over. Five in a row, seven and five. They're being the hunt. You never know. Every week's different. Get out of here. Now let's go now live. What if they win? What if they win seven in a row? I mean, five in a row. Don't. I mean, that's my point. You just don't. Well, you just don't know. I mean, uh, it only takes one game, and things can turn around. I know that sounds naive and uh, hopelessly optimistic, but this team's got a lot of talent. The problem is a lot of the talent is on the sideline right now, a lot of the key key players. and um, they. But here's the thing. I think we, we're all dancing around the other issue here, and that is they really do have a quarterback issue. And, and this is a quarterback no question. Driven, quarterback-driven league, and the Saints don't really have one right now. now. They've got two solid players, but when they make mistakes like this, they're not even solid. They're, they're, they're killing the team, and it kills the morale of the team. During the no game, question. you can see, you can see the body language change once once that that kind of implosion happened at the end of the first half. Well, to to that point, and I don't agree with them, but that's okay. I mean, I don't have to agree with you. We'll read all your comments and questions, and we'll and then we'll talk about them. Krulo says, "Let's give Dalton a few more games. I could see some positives, despite a couple of errors. And the problem to me is not it's not just a couple of errors. There's a reason why Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback. And and look." He, his stats, if you just look at the periphery and say and take his stats, you're like, well, he threw for four touchdowns. He, he threw for 360 yards or whatever it was. I mean, but in the grand scheme of things, 
those picks, and one of them wasn't his fault. I get that. But you can't make those errors. That To me, worse than the – and I'm, I'm not kidding. Worse than the pick sixes was the first one. You're driving down to take um, a pretty nice lead. You're, you're, you're going for two out of three drives to start the game, get touchdowns. And you cannot throw that interception right there. You eat it. You take the field goal. You, you get to 17 points right there. The team was kind of rolling, and I think to me that things just changed emotionally with this team after that first interception, which was just awful. Well, right now, and I almost asked this of some of the players after the game, but I've, I've covered teams that get in these kind of funks like this, and it's almost like whatever can go wrong will go wrong, yep. and then it starts to become almost an inevitability. You're waiting for, for the crisis to happen. You're waiting for the mistake or the adversity. And that's what it definitely felt like last night. And then it just kind of uh, avalanched on them. Uh, but, you know, Dalton is what he is at this stage of his career. And I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from his career because he was a very good quarterback and went to multiple pro bowls, took teams to playoffs, but he's at the end of his career. I think everybody would admit that at this stage, he's best served as a relief pitcher not for the long haul. And I think that was my point with the with the uh, column I wrote a couple of weeks ago. He's more of a trailer than a truck. Uh, he can't carry the team. He has to be pulled along by the team and manage the game. And uh, last night didn't didn't manage it very well. Georgia says crisis of adversity does not equal the expectation of the team. I support the Saints and I'm a season ticket holder. But we must be able to modify these positions and everyone must step up. We have a lot of talent. Let's go Saints. Look, part of my, my problem, and I guess I wouldn't have as much of an issue if I thought the team was going into the season with just the talent of, let's say, the Falcons, who are overachieving. Because this team has the talent to be the – we all thought – look, when everybody in the, in, in the local media picked them to have 10 or more wins, I knew it was trouble. Because it never happens the way that everyone thinks it's going to happen. But that being said, the fact that everyone in the local media picked them to win 10 or more games shows you that we all think that they have the talent to be a, a good team, and that they're just not playing like it. And I don't care about the injuries. Again, Sean Payton would have won that game last night. And I'm, I'm not going to try to get too hard on Dennis Allen. It's only seven games in, in his career as head coach here. And I know that he's probably got a long way to go. But I'm not sure that his personality and his rah-rah, I guess, sometimes you need a kick in the ass. And I don't know that this team has gotten one yet. Well, that's what I was getting at earlier. I mean, in his defense, I don't think anybody anticipated uh, this you know, widespread spree of injuries, and, and that's put them in this position in a lot of ways. Now, let, let's, also, let's also be clear. They've got a lot of areas of the team that are not playing well that we all expected them to play much better. The defensive line, uh, you know, again, is really not producing. The interior defensive line is basically a non-entity on this team. Really doesn't – they really don't get much of anything out of either defensive tackle. They have four that they rotate. And then uh, Marcus Davenport is sitting here at half a sack. Uh, you know, I, I know people talk about his pressures, but at some point you have to get home. And he's just not doing it. So, you know, that's where this whole defense, everything starts up front. And they're just not getting the production out of that out of that group right now. And it, it's when your secondary is as banged up as it is and you're playing guys off the street and undrafted free agents and things like that, you're, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. And that's kind of what, how it's playing out. 
Jim Derry, Jeff Duncan, live on this Friday morning on the Datitude Podcast. We're live every Friday at 9.15, whether we like it or not. Uh, and Dunk's got a lot going on, so I know he wasn't thrilled about doing this show. He's got people all around him. And, uh, Dunk, I really appreciate you you coming on and doing it this morning. I want to look at the, the stats from last night because I think they tell a story. And uh, the Saints, and I know a lot of these were garbage yards, but almost 500 total yards. When you... It reminds me of the seven, the seven and nine Saints teams that we went through those three seasons, and that's kind of, kind of how this team is is played. I mean, it's it's, it's not just a lack of of emotion, I guess, but another to me another point that this team has talent. You limit the Cardinals to 326 yards. Kyler Murray wasn't anything special last night. 20 to 29 for 204 yards and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins came back and had half of his yards. So I mean, the Saints did what they needed to do, but the problem was they couldn't put it all they couldn't put it all together at times. And you know, the defense was good in the first half. You get the pick sixes, and then the second half, when the, when the offense finally started going, then the defense started to, you know, couldn't get anything together. Yeah, I think I think statistics in a game like that are almost irrelevant because the game was decided in at the end of the first half once they got that two touchdown lead uh, the second half just felt like it was playing out the string yeah it was uh, all the all really arizona needed to do was punch in one more touchdown i think and the game was going to be over that's kind of how it played out uh so to me the the mistakes they're making these i mean jim they've had four giveaways returned for touchdowns they they lead the league in, in turnovers, I mean, you know, they're doing things that you just can't do, and everybody knows this, and it continues to happen. They talk about emphasizing it, but they're playing with players that can't avoid it. Uh, that's the problem. They're just not good enough uh, to avoid these mistakes at, at this high level of competition. But I don't know the solution. Uh, you know, is changing quarterback going to do it? I don't know. Well, going back to Aaron's question, he has how many interceptions the Saints defense have? I can I can answer the question. I remember it. It's one. Teran Matthew ha- has a pick. Uh, I think it was in the dome. I Biden, believe. No, it was against the no, Vikings. No, London. it was against the Vikings. Right in London. So they have zero in the United States of America. By the way, um, and JJ says st- statistics are like bikinis; they conceal more than they reveal. I think the point of of the stats, though, in this case, shows that. The Saints have the talent. I'm not saying that stats tell the whole story in this game because they don't. Uh, the Cardinals clearly won this game. It, sh- it really wasn't that close. But I still think Sean pa- a Sean Payton coach team would have won- found a way to win this game, even with the two picks. Pick sixes. They come out of the locker room, Dunk, and they settle for a field goal. They get a three and out settle for a field goal, get another three and out, and then have to punt after they get the ball near midfield. That You just can't do that. Yeah, I, I know. I, I just feel like they're they're kind of, a, you know, that analogy, they're in a gunfight with a with a knife. You know, that's what it feels like in these games. They they don't really have, a, a, you know, a huge playmaker. Now, obviously, they got an incredible big play right off the bat from uh, – from Rashid Shahid, yeah. they got a big play from Kevin White, but you know these are guys that weren't meant to be playing in prime time. They just weren't. Uh, so eventually, over a course of a 60-minute game, uh, the inevitability takes—I mean, the talent takes over—and they're playing against much more talented opposition. And when you make those kind of mistakes, I mean, we had what was it, Brian Ramchek had 
two false starts last night. I mean, they, they just got a, they, they seem to lack a, a focus, maybe an intensity or an edge. There's something missing, and that that's what I've noticed the most about. And I don't want to keep harping on Sean Payton, but Sean Payton had an intensity on game days. We all know that, and he provided an edge on game days. And I just haven't seen it throughout the whole team. I just it's just not there. I don't know if they're missing it from. Uh, Quan Alexander and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, or we're reading too much into this, but there just is a noted a couple of national reporters at the game last night that had not seen the Saints all year after the game told me there's just no juice in this team right now. They're seeing it. They're seeing yeah, it with a fresh perspective. That's kind of my point. I mean, and a Sean Payton team would have would have gave him a kick in the pants at at halftime. Would have gave him a kick in the pants four weeks ago. Um, and and look. I know it's probably not in Dennis Allen's DNA, but it, look, sometimes if you don't have enough talent, I mean, look, this, this team isn't the, doesn't have the talent of the 2009 Saints, or the, the certainly not the 2011 Saints. I get that. We, no one, I don't think, realistically thought this team was going to win a Super Bowl. But you, you, this defense, I don't understand. It, it, isn't this the same defense that Dennis Allen coached to be with the, the fourth, fifth-ranked defense in the NFL last year, and they're just kind of moping around. Again, injuries, Marshawn Lattimore, I get it. Paulson Adebo, I get it. I understand that. But there's no way this team should be playing like they're playing. And Teran Matthew, I don't know what he's doing out there. And, and this, I don't always agree with, with, our, with, our, with our friends that watch the show and listen to the show on a regular basis, but Teran Matthew looks like he's ready to go home and call it a career. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I don't feel that way. I mean, I talked to him after the game, and you can tell he's trying to find his his spot in the defense. But again, this is a convergence of factors. I don't think it's one thing; it's everything. And that is, you got two new safeties trying to work their way in. And now you got your corners are out, and you're not getting production for your defensive tackle. Uh, people are focusing on your defensive ends. I mean, there's just a lot of things going wrong with the defense. And I know in in Pat, the past. Their defense has not produced a lot of interceptions just in general. That's not something they get a lot of because they play so much man-to-man. Their backs are to the ball. Uh, you know, They're more concerned with breaking up the pass. That's kind of how their defensive scheme works. They'll eventually get them, but this has never been a, a big interception-type team. More than that, Jim, it's, it's more about like running to the ball and effort and intensity and juice. I just don't see it. I don't see the, the in the body language. And I haven't seen it really for much of the year uh, in that defense. And, and that's what mostly defense is, is, just effort and energy. And it's just like they're out there kind of going through the motions to some degree. And to me, that goes to the point of I know players get hurt. Um, but here we go again with Michael Thomas. And I understand he's got a toe injury, Wh- whatever. I mean, Uncle Big Nick says, how does Brian Robinson get shot twice, misses four games? Michael Thomas misses four games with turf toe. I mean, there's no effort from your $10 million man. I mean, if he was – you can't tell me that he wouldn't be fond of a way to get out there some kind of way, and then now he's got some other injury. Um, it just – the players that are out there, I know that they're, they're, they're professionals and they're doing their jobs, but – but damn, man, it's more about it's it's about more than just doing your job and showing up. Well, I think the turf toe injury, I've covered a lot of players with that. I mean, those things can be lingering. I mean, if you remember, Max Unger had one. I think he was out six to eight weeks, 
Um, I remember Mark Ingram getting it. I remember Mark Ingram got one where he played the whole second half. Yes, he did. And then was out for weeks after that. It's a weird injury. And uh, so I know there's frustration with that. But, uh, you know, this is now, what, the third different injury that Mike Well, that's Thomas kind of my had. point. It's not just the turf toe, Donk. It's, it's always something with this dude. I mean, you're, you're now, we're now two and a half seasons into, uh, you know, what, do you, what have you got in your money? You're talking about $25 million that have basically been flushed down the drain because Michael Thomas hasn't been here for two and a half years. And there's nothing you can do about it. You're stuck with him. And, you know, it, it's, it's like some other guys I remember, you know, I, it's sort of going off top the rails a little bit. But, you know, I remember talking to Mike New one day at, at Voodoo practice and asking him why he didn't want to coach in the NFL. And Jonathan Sullivan was running up this – well, I, was, I shouldn't say running. I should say walking up this hill. And we know what a bust he was. He got his $11 million. And he even said $11 million. I mean, once he got his money, he disappeared. And I know there are players like that. But, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't give those kind of contracts to players. And now it's showing the Saints are in salary cap hell. And they're stuck with Michael Thomas, a guy that, to me, he can say whatever he wants. Yeah, he fooled me because I thought he was going to come back with a vengeance this year. But you keep getting injury after injury after injury or whatever it is. At some point, you have to start questioning some things. Well, I, I've talked to some people around Mike Thomas that say he's he's rehabbing all the time. He's trying to get back. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But at some point, when you're paying players like Mike Thomas, they're $20 million players, the players that you're getting second contracts to, Right. They have to get production out of them. That's right. And that's the problem. They've got too many guys that are being paid that aren't producing. I mean, just look at this last game. Andres Pete didn't play. Uh, Jarvis Landry didn't play. Marshawn Lattimore got a second contract. He's one of the highest paid players on the team. So you got a lot of key guys that you're expecting production for being paid, and they're not they're not playing. It's just hard to overcome that after a while. And, look, they've, they've had some – Players regress. There's no doubt about it. David Onyemata is not the same player he was two years ago. He's just not. No and that, hap- that happens in the NFL. It happens all over the league. Uh, and that's when you have to have good drafts, replace these players. And part of the problem, I think, that we're, that we're running into right now is the Saints kind of built a house of cards. And if everything went right, they were going to compete this year. And instead, it's fallen apart. The cards have all fallen because it was very precarious because they had to go all in the last few years of the Drew Brees tenure and try to win a Super Bowl. So they kept using salary cap money down the road. And uh, to do that, you've got to draft well because you can't go out and patch holes in free agency. And, and frankly, Jim, they've, they've kind of fallen back into that, that um, mess that they were in, what was like a five, seven years ago, where yes. they were going out in free agency trying to fill holes, and look how that happened back to the Jarius Bird days where they had some really bad mistakes. That's what it lo- it's starting to look like right now because these free agents they brought in this offseason have not produced. Yeah, Brandon Browner. How did that work out? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, look, JJ, I didn't, wanna, uh, I didn't want to ignore your question. By the way, we have, and I'm going to show it in just a second, we have about 14, 15 minutes left on the live portion of the Datitude podcast. Jim Derry along with Jeff Duncan, who is live from Scottsdale, Arizona. And so if you want to get in any comments or questions, now's the time. We'll, we'll throw it out here on the, on the pod. And then, again, after this is over, I'm going to go uh, and put the whole thing up with my monologue. And also, best bets. Uncle Big Nick and I have our best bets of the week. 
we've been doing pretty good with them. So uh, if you follow, if you've been following them, you've been making a little bit of money. So you come find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Data, just search for Datitude. JJ asks, how do you guys see the team addressing the quarterback issues in the offseason? No first round pick. I mean that that you, you talk you just talked about the free agency situation. I think that's one position where you're probably going to have to go out in a free agency if you even can. Yeah, I think that's that's where where I think a lot of the frustration is coming from Saints fans, and rightfully so, because if you have like a, a bad season or, or you know have things go against you like this, there's always hope for tomorrow, right? There's always oh well. This is just a bad year. We'll chalk it up. But I think Saints fans are so smart and sophisticated. They know that this future isn't bright either because of the salary cap limitations, because of the draft pick limitations, that that there's not a lot of opportunity. They're going to have to really thread the needle to try and find a quarterback. And that just doesn't happen in this league. There's only about 10 to 12 really elite ones. And everybody else is trying to find one of those guys. They don't come become available very easy. Look what look what the Denver Broncos paid to get Russell Wilson, and it's been a disaster. So uh, I, I don't I don't have a good answer. I do know it's a good draft for quarterbacks, but the Saints don't have much capital unless they want to start moving no, some of the, unless they want to start moving moving some of their assets. And I'm not sure they're at that point right now. I mean, two and five, you still have an opportunity. These next two games are winnable. Actually, the next three games are winnable. Because they're all teams that we all thought, like the Saints, were going to be good. But Las Vegas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, even the Rams uh, are teams that certainly the Saints have the ability to beat if they play well. But they've got to start playing well, and that's been elusive so far. Yeah, you see the remaining schedule on the on the screen there if you're watching and, and not just listening. Um, like, like Dunk said. I mean, winnable, sure. I mean, any of these games are winnable. I mean, there's not a single game on the Saints' schedule that isn't winnable. But when you keep following in two and five and you keep finding ways to lose, which is the most frustrating part, you know, you can make a case, I guess, the Saints really uh, could be one and six. But you could also make a case, Dunk, that they could be five and two. Yeah, I know. That's, I think that's what's also frustrating for people is – uh, they know this team has been in almost every game. And yesterday was the first game they really were kind of out of by about the third quarter. Uh, and these games coming up, they can win, but they've got to get players back. And I, I think until they get uh, Mike Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore and some of their, their real difference makers back. Uh, and, and, you know, Jameis Winston said after the game that he feels like he's getting close to being fully healthy. It'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. I don't think I don't think it's, it, there's no debate, and, and there may be a debate amongst fans. But any realist, any anyone who has any uh, slight knowledge of football knows that Andy Dalton cannot lead this team anywhere but in a deep dark hole. I'm sorry, but he can. The upside of Jameis Winston is so far beyond the upside of Andy Dalton. You know what you're going to get with Andy Dalton. You're going to get this. I mean, you're going to go. The last night was an outlier. He's not going to throw three picks a game. I get it. He's going to throw. He's going to probably average one a game, and that's fine. And I know Jameis has his floor is way below Andy Dalton's floor. But this team needs to take risk, and Jameis Winston is the risk guy. So I, I don't think there's any debate. I mean, we can sit here and debate, and, and fans can tell me that I'm wrong. They always do. It's fine. But I don't think there's any question. When Jameis Winston says, I can play football, he's got to go back in there because he is the only chance this team has to salvage anything from this season. 
yeah, I think that's where this team's at, right? They, they're kind of in a, a little bit of a crossroads. The, the season's going to go one or two ways. Uh, you know, I will say this, talking to players in the locker room, they're not pointing fingers yet. They're not fractured. And I've seen teams do that when, right. when things go bad, and they haven't done that yet. So that's a good sign. But they've got to get healthy. They, I mean, this, they got a little bit of a break here, nine days. The players are all off until Monday. Uh, so they've got to get these guys back and get them on a field because I think that's also having an effect on, you know, we talked earlier about when things go bad, the team kind of has a body language and a letdown look to them. That's because they know they're not playing with their with their varsity team right now. They're playing with JV players. And when you have those pick sixes like that, it's very difficult to come back <clears throat> with the fi- lack of firepower that you have. So that, that affects your confidence as a, as a team too. And I think that's where Sean Payton was at his best. In those type of situations, he had almost a superhuman ability to get teams to, to play through adversity, but he's not here anymore. And uh, this is kind of how the rest of the NFL lives uh, when they have these kind of situations. But they're, they're, you're right, there are other teams in the league that have a lot of injuries. I mean, the Cowboys have been playing without Dak Prescott and, and Tyron Smith, you know, they're, they're missing all the And they found of- a way to win. And they've been they've been winning, so you can't overcome. But you got to play smart, sound football, and the Saints aren't doing that at all right now. And to go back to the the earlier question about what the Saints do with the quarterback, and we talk about not having a first round draft pick this year. What about Bailey Zappi? I think what was he a third or fourth round pick out of Western Kentucky? Right. I mean, he's been fantastic for the New England Patriots. He's about to go back and sit on the bench. So I mean, there are quarterbacks you can find. I mean, Tom Brady, for God's sake, was a sixth round draft pick. You can find quarterbacks if you have the right. The one thing this team has is its ability to scout. I think that it has done that phenomenally across the years. We've had lapses through different parts. But there have been some great draft picks on this team, especially the last, to me, eight to ten years. And so if there's a quarterback out there that's not a first-rounder, the Saints can find him. Uh, It's just a a fact of whether they will or not. And Errol asked a question. We've kind of talked about it a little bit. Look, you can't, you know, I, I'm kind of getting on the, uh, get, I've, I've said some things about Dennis Allen today that obviously shows that he has to progress in his coaching career. He has room to grow. He has to learn. I think he needs to find some emotion inside. I'm not ready to pull the plug on Dennis Allen yet. I mean, it's seven games in, for God's sake. You, you can't talk about replacing your coach seven games into his, basically his career. Forget about what he did with the Raiders before, don't. Um, he is still learning on the job. He is going to find that intestinal fortitude, uh, I guess is the way to say it, at some point. And when he does, who knows? Maybe the light will turn on. Well, look, he's, uh, you got to understand, this is Mickey Loomis's hand-picked guy. That's right. Uh, Mickey Loomis isn't going to pull the plug on Dennis Allen. So people just need to forget about that silly notion right now. That's not going to happen. Uh, Dennis Allen has inherited a very difficult situation. I, I kind of I feel agree. for him because I think everybody likes Dennis Allen. And I think the locker room respects him. I don't think they don't not respect him, but this situation is kind of a cat five disaster. And that's not what they anticipated. And he's in the middle of it. And the, the boat's taking on water. And right now, I would like to see a few of the players step up. I mean, like, like Dalvin Kamara did last night after the game. I think they need a few more guys like that, more take-charge leadership out of this locker room, uh, especially from the key guys. And that's part of the problem, Jim, is a lot of those guys are hurt right now on the sidelines. So 
they're not even playing, so it's hard for anybody like that to step up. There, there, there really is a little bit of a crisis of leadership, I think, in the locker room. You know, it's interesting you say that because I have a problem with one particular player that I never thought I would have a problem with, and it goes to what you're talking about. And I never thought I would would say this or see this, but I, I want to know where Demario Davis has been. You know, there's been a couple times in the locker room where he just doesn't want to talk, and that's not what a captain's supposed to do. You look and see how Cam Jordan reacts. Cam Jordan will take any question that's ever asked of him. And not only that, he's the one that's stepping up on the sideline when stuff's going on. I haven't seen Demario Davis step up on the sideline or in the locker room. And again, I haven't seen a whole, I haven't seen a ton. So my, my limited sample size may be unfair. But what I've seen of Demario Davis is, is really not what I expected this year. Yeah, you know, he, he did. I don't know if he talked after the game last night and not get over to his locker, but I did see him walking out of the locker room and he was just kind of talking to himself saying, keep chopping wood, keep chopping wood, kind of a, a mantra, I guess, uh, that some of the players have adopted. I know Jameis Winston's used that. But, um, yeah, but that's not really in his nature. He's more of a yeah, I uh, get you know, that. positive outlook kind of guy. Uh, and I think they're missing that kind of bad cop in the locker room. You know, they yeah, need I that. Agree. They don't really have that guy. And uh, and again, we're all like kind of trying to find solutions. And I, I don't think it's that simple. I think it's a, a bunch of things, myriad problems. And uh, certainly, leadership is is being tested right now. And I haven't liked the way it's responded in, with this team in particular. All right, about five minutes left in the live portion of Data 2 this morning. Jim Derry along with Jeff Duncan. Again, we do this every Friday morning at 9.15 a.m. Next week we will be previewing the Saints game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And we kind of touched on the, the upcoming schedule, Dunk. Um, we go for, I think now, and, you know, I, I'm glad you're a little bit more positive than you were in your column this morning. I actually read it last night about 1, one or 2 in the morning. You were talking about bringing the bags back out. Uh, well, I didn't college. say that much. What I meant was <laughs> somebody asked me about that on social media today. <clears throat> My point is four defensive touchdowns, uh, four returns for touchdowns, three pick sixes in seven games. I mean, that is Aints-like. I mean, that's those are the old Aints days where it was kind of a comedy of errors, and that's kind of what's happening right now with the Saints. Whatever could go wrong will go wrong. We said that earlier. That's what I meant by it. I mean, I, I think organizationally this – this team's a much better spot than those days. But the fact that you've had four take uh, giveaways, return for scores, and, and you're leading the league in, in, in turnovers, that's very much back like. Well, you go for, to me from a must-win. Uh, that's what we're talking this week was. Now you go to uh, what's after a must-win? A must-three wins. I mean, that's where you are right now. The Saints have no choice. If they don't win the next three games, Las Vegas at home, Baltimore at home, at Pittsburgh, on the you know on the road against a bad Pittsburgh team. There, there's nothing anyone can say that convinced me that this season isn't over. So you're saying there's a chance, yeah, a slight one, a, a very slight one. But that it starts next week with Las Vegas, and Las Vegas. I mean, assuming they win this week, and they they're playing the Houston Texans, so they should win this week. They're going to be in the same boat. Another team that's going to be have the same record as the Saints. It'll be the third straight week the Saints would play a team that has the same record as they do. So which one is going to fight, claw, and scratch and do everything they can do? The problem is Vegas is much more talented than a 2-5 and five team, so it's kind of misleading a little bit. To me, Arizona was not as 
they deserve to be two and four. I don't think they're very good. They're not going to go anywhere the rest of the season. They're only going to win six or seven games this year. They lost to Seattle. They, get, they scored nine points against a really, really bad Seattle defense and somehow scored 42 last night. So how did the Saints get ready? And, again, you talk about nine days off, which is a great thing for this team. They need it after the trip from, from London and all that. How did they cha- turn around and change things and get themselves back in a winning spot in nine days because they've got to find a way to start a role? Yeah, they, well, they've got to have an attitude, mindset of uh, a sense of urgency, I think, most importantly. Uh, there is really no tomorrow now. When you're two and five, and it, it, you can recover from that. I mean, the Eagles did it last year. The Saints did it, I think, in uh, 1990. They made the playoffs, went on a big run after they started two and five. So it can happen, but it's not going to happen by just magic pixie dust. Uh, they've got to get together, I think, and that's what I was alluding to earlier, Jim, is uh, the leadership on this team has to kind of create an edge and a sense of urgency in the locker room. Uh, I think it has to come from, from the players more than the coaches right now. And uh, we'll see if they can do it. But, and then it also, I mean, this is the obvious. they got to get Mike Thomas back and Marshawn Lattimore and some of these really key injured players that uh, are their top playmakers uh, on both sides of the ball. They've got to get those guys back. Uh, the, the thing that's frustrating about those injuries is they've been kind of ones that we didn't expect to go as long as they have. And uh, I think that's created also, uh, obviously, Mike Thomas, his injuries lingered longer because they didn't use him on the short-term IR. Uh, if they would have known that his injury was going to last four weeks, they would have put him on IR and could have used that roster spot. So there's uh, there's a lot of things right now going against this team, there's no doubt. They don't need to just get him back. They need to get those guys to want to come back. And I'm not certain that – I'm not saying all of them, but I'm not certain they all want to come back, and that's the key. And that you got this team has to find some heart. And you know what I think – one thing I think about Jameis Winston is, and Andy Dalton, it's good and bad. Andy Dalton is the, one of the most even-keeled quarterbacks you're ever going to see. He's the same after a win as he is after a loss. Now, he smiles after a win. That's fine. But, but, I mean, he is just like this. And so a guy who could bounce back from a three-interception game is Andy Dalton. But again, I think the Saints need, they need some eating the dub, don't they need some five? Yeah, yeah and uh, it could be Jameis time. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if, if they do make a quarterback change next week and go back to Winston. I think that's going to be the biggest uh, decision that Dennis Allen has to make. And I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to be the answer because the team's playing so poorly in other areas. Uh, I think you made a point earlier about the defense. To me, that's kind of where this thing has to start. Uh, they've got to get the defense back playing, uh, you know, kind of back to their dominant days of last year. And we just Agreed. have not seen that at all. And uh, they've got to get that back. They've got to start. And sometimes these things can snowball. If all of a sudden you have a big game and you force some turnovers, look at, look at Arizona. They have not been playing that well defensively. And all of a sudden they get two pick sixes. I'm sure they're feeling very confident today. So we'll see if, you know, they, they need another quarterback to throw them the ball the way Andy Dalton did last night. All right. Well, before we, before we let you go, i got uh, two very quick questions. I will say this. The Saints, before the game yesterday, were one-point favorites over the Raiders. So when the Raiders win this week, um, I would imagine it's going to be a pick em, and it's a line that I would see would actually move in the Raiders' favor. So I think – the Saints may be a dog to a two and a five and team next week. I'm gonna have to do some research to see when's the last time they were a dog at home to a team that was three games under 500. 
it's got it has to be a really long time. I'm gonna go do some research. But my guess is by this time next week, the Saints will be underdogs at home to Las Vegas Raiders. We'll have to wait and see. All right, Doug, before we let you go, Tulane, Memphis. Does does Tulane keep the ball rolling? Uh, they are seven point favorites at home against Memphis at Yulman Stadium this week. Gotta like where they are. Do they win again? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna be covering that game. Uh, tomorrow, I'm looking forward to it. I definitely think they've got confidence right now. They're kind of the opposite of the Saints. Uh, they're yes. playing with confidence. They're playing smart football, not beating themselves, and uh, the wins are stacking up. And each time one of those, each win comes more, uh, you know, more confidence. Uh, I like definitely. I think they they believe they can win the American Athletic Conference if they were. To I think do they that, can too, Jim. If they do that, I mean, we're talking about potentially like a New Year's Day bowl. Which yeah, would be crazy. It would from a two-win team. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to watching them play. I think they've all kind of bought in right now to Chris Hampton defensively. Uh, talking to some some officials, like NFL officials last night, they said it's going to be hard for Tulane to keep Chris Hampton. He's done such a good job with that defense. He's going to be a hot commodity in the coaching market in this offseason. Great to see. It's a great story. Uh, the Tulane Green Waiver, one of the great stories of, of this entire 22 2022 year so far. All right, LSU uh, turning out to be a pretty good story. Five and two, they have for, uh, they are inexplicably two point favorites or two and a half point favorites over Ole Miss, and this line has just keep all the big money is going to LSU. I don't understand it. It started off Ole Miss, I think it was plus two and a half about a week and a half two weeks ago, and now it's LSU two and a half. Dunk. Do the, do is that the, right? That's I right. Didn't know that it's been a five point swing in two weeks. All the big money's on LSU. Well, what do you my, think? That was my uh, column uh, for our betting betting page this week. Was I love LSU in this game? Love them. you do. Uh, yeah, they won six in a row at home against Ole Miss. I know that isn't really applicable to a new set of players, but uh, Ole Miss struggles to win at Tiger Stadium, and more importantly, Ole Miss hasn't really played a true tough road game all year. The only two road games were at Georgia Tech and at Vanderbilt. Those are maybe two of the easiest places to play in college football certainly in the deep south. So this is going to be their first real test. And their, set, their number seven ranking, to me, is a little fraudulent. I agree. Uh, the only real test they've had this year was Kentucky, and it was all they could do to well, win at home. And they played a backup quarterback. Right. 22-19 in that game. They barely won. Uh, so to me, they're, they're going to be walking into a, uh, you know, a, a totally hostile environment. And uh, I think LSU and their fans will see this something as – a second chance to make a statement because let's face it, that Tennessee game, I think a lot of people have overreacted to uh, that game got away from them right off the bat with the special teams errors early on. And Tennessee was able to dictate terms and that thing snowballed on them. Uh, I think now they get a second chance, right? To make a statement, beat Ole Miss and really kind of a statement game on your resume. So I love LSU on Saturday. And Tennessee very well could be the best team in college football. I mean, when all is said and done, uh, the way Hendon Hooker is playing, and I, I just like the way they're playing. They play with a lot of attitude. I wish the Saints would watch some Tennessee games. Maybe Alvin Kamara can go back and watch, watch his alma mater play. All right, um, and look, you talk about Ole Miss, too, also, Dunk. I, what their defense did against Auburn last week, Auburn is awful on offense, and they were able to score 30-some-odd points on, on that Ole Miss defense. So. There's hope for LSU if Jaden Daniels is playing pretty well right now. Yeah, and look, he's coming off a breakout game 
six touchdowns, so he should be playing with confidence. I think slowly but surely, Brian Kelly and his staff have figured out what buttons to push. And I think they've done a tremendous job. I mean, I think even LSU fans, as high as their expectations are, will be have to be happy with them at five and two right now. And if they can knock off Ole Miss, you're looking at six and two. And the rest of their schedule, other than probably the Bama game, yeah, all winnable. SC, all winnable, right? I mean, really, there's it, the SEC this year is the big three and everybody else. Yeah, I agree. And once you get past Bama, Georgia, and Tennessee, everybody's kind of even. And I think if LSU can position themselves to, uh, you know, to finish second in the SEC West, that would be not bad for what everyone I think thought was a transition year. And lastly, you know, you talk about the the Pelicans, uh, a big win against the Nets, not just because you win your first game, but, uh, you know, odds go from at Caesars plus 3,000 to win the championship to plus 2,000. They go from 30 to 1 to 20 to 1 with one one victory. And I know that's crazy, so we're not going to go that crazy. But you have to be impressed by what you saw. Zion, obviously, and this is the understatement and, and Captain Obvious statement of the year, but, you know, Zion obviously makes a difference with this team and shows what he can bring to the to the team that was already beginning to gel at the end of the last season. I don't think the opener could have gone any better. I mean, everyone played well. Their big three all played well. Uh, their role players played well. Uh, they dominated that game. I mean, really, they, they had the Nets down double digits in the first, you know, seven minutes of the game. It was kind of over. And I can tell you, last night at, at the Saints game, I was on the field before the game and saw a lot of executives from the organization, and everyone was talking about the Pelicans. And, and so were some of the other national reporters. So clearly a great start. Now they got to carry it over against Charlotte. Why wouldn't you talk about the Pelicans? I mean, a lot of people are going to be <laughs> – I got a bunch of – a lot of people will be talking about that. Last comment we're going to show today is from those were the days. That's kind of interesting. The best thing for the Saints to be is Sean Payton would take a head coaching job immediately so they could catch back desperately needed draft capital and draft a franchise quarterback. That's something – if he does want to come back, that is a possibility. So we'll get into that maybe next week. But uh, the Saints – Good point. They're going to get something out of Sean – if he wants to come back to coaching next year, the Saints are going to get something pretty good. And uh, that would be a way to get a first-round draft pick. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Dunk, thanks for joining us from Scottsdale. We will talk to you next week. Have a safe trip home. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk next week. Oh, Jeff Dunk. He's usually, I mean, look, considering, I mean, you got to say, if you're looking for some optimism, at least he gave it to you. I mean, we've been saying for, we've said at least two or three times a season, must win, right? Well, last night was the must win. They didn't win it. So now it's must three wins in a row. Can they do it? Sure, they can. I'm not saying the Saints can't win the next three games. I mean, Las Vegas is no world beater. They're going to have a tough time defending Devontae Adams if Marshawn Lattimore doesn't come back or Paulson Adebo. Then the following week, Baltimore Ravens. Saints don't play that well against running quarterbacks. Saw it last night. Lamar Jackson on Monday night in the Dome? I don't know. And then at Pittsburgh, I mean, if they can't win that game, especially if they win two in a row and then lose at Pittsburgh, then just rip up the tickets. I mean, that's it. All right. Let's move on to the NFL picks. Uh, not just, again, not just NFL picks. Uncle Big Nick had something going on this morning, so he could not make it. Um, but I do have, I have his picks, and I have my picks. 
You know what? I'm just going to read his picks out loud first, and then we'll get to mine. Uh, last week, Uncle Big Nick uh, went two and three. I went three and two. Overall for the season now, um, I am 21 and nine for a profit of $142, which, you know, I, I bet small. So, I mean, and that's, we, we have a max of $100 per week. That is the most we can bet per week. So through six weeks, to be up $142, you can take it for whatever you want. Uh, Uncle Big Nick has had a couple rough weeks, which is really what's held him, the only thing that's held him down. He's 14 and 16 for the season. He's minus 107, but, and, I, and I, I misspoke. He was actually 3 and 2 last week, and I was 4 and 1. So um, he, he's minus 107, but that's a little misleading. He, is, uh, he had one really, really bad week where he lost 110. So you take that out, and he's, he's even money, basically. So we've been doing pretty well. We've been hot. If you stick with us, I'm going to go through his picks real quickly and give you his justification. Um, all, of his, all of his bets are $22 this week. In fact, all of mine are 22 except for one. Um, his number one pick, Alabama minus 21 over Mississippi State. He says, Bama has won the last four meetings by a combined score of 152 to 16. Mississippi State's last touchdown at Bama was in 2014. Wow. I didn't know that. So, I, I like the pick. I don't think I would touch it. But uh, Bama, I just don't think it's the same Bama team. But that being said, uh, coming off a loss, they're going to be pretty ticked off. So, if I had to play it, I would play Bama. I don't disagree. I'm just going to read all of, all of Nick's picks first, and then I'm going to get to mine. Uh, his next pick uh, is also college football. Duke. Plus nine over Miami, the U. The Hurricanes are 0-4 as a favorite is his main reason there. Um, I don't like Miami at all. I don't, again, another pick I probably won't play. I don't play a lot on Saturdays anyway. Um, another pick I probably won't play just because I don't necessarily trust Duke, but they have been playing well. Uh, and the Hurricanes, you, know, you just never know what you're going to get with them. You just really don't know. Uh, and his last college football pick is Oregon minus six and a half over UCLA. I thought this line was weird, which is probably why I will actually play Oregon. And then Uncle Big Nick tells me UCLA is 0-5 versus the top 10, uh, losing by an average of 23.6 points per game. Meanwhile, Oregon is 6-1-1 against the spread as a favorite in their last eight times as a favorite. I like Oregon as well. I think Oregon wins this one. I know UCLA has uh, gone above their expectations, but I think this is when it comes to a crash and halt. All right. We have a similar pick here. His, his next pick, NFL, is he's got an NFL pick here. Jacksonville first half over the Giants minus two and a half. Um, I don't, I'm going to have a pick on this game in a minute, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But he says the Giants are a second half team. The Jags start fast and finish slow. That's actually true. So, but I'm going to get into Jacksonville in just a minute when I get to my picks. And then his last pick is the San Francisco 49ers who just acquired Christian McCaffrey, as we told you earlier in the show. He likes a minus two and a half over the Kansas City Chiefs. I like that one as well. 82% of the bets so far on the Chiefs. All Aunt Mabel and Drunk Joe are all over the Kansas City Chiefs thinking they're going to bounce back after the Buffalo game. I'm, I'm with Uncle Big Nick. I will probably play this. It's not part of my best bets, but I like it a lot. Uh, so San Francisco plus two and a half. I might even put the money line. Um, 
McCaffrey, from what I'm hearing, will play in red zone situations. So he will play a little bit this week. Try to get him uh, going. They have a bye week coming up in week nine. So he, he may play just a little bit this week and a little bit in week eight, and hopefully for the Niners anyway, by week 10, of course, by about the time they play the Saints. He'll be up and rolling. All right, my week seven picks go a little bit something like this. Now, again, I'm 21 and nine, so jump on the train while it's hot because I don't know how long it's going to be hot. Um, I'm just going to go in order as I have them because I want to talk about Jacksonville and the Giants first. I don't understand the spread at all. Uh, Jacksonville should not be a three-point favorite over the Giants. I get that, that Jacksonville lost a couple games they should have won, and when you go back and do your, I mean, these experts that do their their real-time score or whatever the hell they call it, what the score should have been. The score is what it is. I'm not into all that crap. I mean, I, I don't even... I, I'll look at stats a little bit, too. Um, but, I, but I hate that. The score should have been... The score shouldn't have been that. Well, that was they got a lucky pick six. No, no, they didn't. They got a pick six because they earned the pick six. I mean, the Saints last night threw two of them. Was it luck? Somewhat. Mark West Calloway tips the ball in the air, and, and one of them goes... The next one, Andy Dalton just loses his mind and throws as he gets hit and it gets picked. I don't know. I, I don't think turnovers are luck. And some of these experts, when I hear them talk about that, it, it drives me bonkers. But this line makes no sense being said. So I am all over a line that doesn't make sense, and this one doesn't. I'm taking Jacksonville minus three over the Giants again. And you want to hear something else that doesn't make sense? This isn't going to sell you on the pick. Jacksonville has lost their last 16 games in a row straight up against the NFC. Derry, are you nuts? Are you nuts, Derry? Yeah, but again, line that doesn't make sense. Vegas is telling me that Jacksonville is going to win this game. Somebody knows something because the big money is on Jacksonville. The tickets are on the Giants. I'm going with the big money. They usually know more than, than the guy at the bar. Tari. So you can be with me or not on that one. You may think I'm crazy, but we'll talk about it next week. Maybe I am crazy, but I like Jacksonville. My next pick, not as crazy. The Chargers minus six over the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I know the Seahawks have been playing well, and I think Geno Smith will get his in this game. He's been playing much better than even Geno Smith's mama could have expected. But Justin Herbert's going to have a bounce-back week against this really bad defense. Don't be fooled by last week's game in which the Seahawks only allowed nine points to the Cardinals. They are bad. I think they are the 30th-ranked defense in the NFL. And that's only because they got some kind of weird performance last week. They're really the 31st or worst defense in the NFL. And Justin Herbert, after not throwing a touchdown pass last Monday night and kind of being stifled, he's going off this week. I love the Chargers, minus six. Next pick, Green Bay, Washington, over 41-and-a-half. I really wanted to take Green Bay. But I can't trust them. However, that being said, I can't imagine, and, and again, this isn't something an analyst, betting analyst is supposed to say, I can't imagine. But I can't imagine that this offense, I don't want to sound like uh, Drunk Joe, but I can't imagine this offense is going to stink again. That being said, the Green Bay defense hasn't really been able to stop anybody either. Give up 27 points to the Jets. Taylor Heineke starting for Washington. The Green Bay Packers, before this season, they hadn't had a total this low of 41 and a half in four years. So it's been a while. They've had a couple of them this year now. This game's going over. Green Bay, 
I think wins and covers, but I like the over much better. So Green Bay Washington over 41 and a half. My next play is Cincinnati, the Bengals, minus six and a half over the Atlanta Falcons. Now the Falcons are six and zero against the spread. But Cincinnati looked like they started to figure it out last week, didn't they? I think they did. And uh, six and a half, they're just dangling that there. If it were seven, probably stay away from it. So I'm kind of doing, uh, and one pick I'm doing what the books don't want me to do and take Jacksonville. And the next, I'm later on, I'm taking Cincinnati. But that being said, I don't think Atlanta can stop this offense. And I think that Marcus Mariota is going to have a tough time. My last pick, I've got a teaser. And uh, this one originally had the Saints in it. It's got the Saints in it in my NFL picks column. And you say, oh, we already lost, Derry. No, I didn't. Because in a teaser, you get six points on both sides. So that teaser is actually, I played it big as well. It is still alive. And I'm going to tell you the other half of it would have been, is the Raiders minus one. Because you get six points. I think they will beat the Texans. I love the Raiders, so they can win it in my NFL picks column. And hopefully, they'll win it here in our best bets of the week column because I got them paired with the Miami Dolphins, also minus one with a teaser. You got to lay $120 to win $100 or $12 to win $10. i am laying $24 to win $20, at least in this column. That might not be what I really bet, but who knows. So those are our best bets for the week. Trying to stay hot. Next week, we will be back to doing this on Thursday with Uncle Big Nick, who hopefully will be able to join us by then. And all the world will be right. Will all the world be right with the New Orleans Saints? They got a long way to go for that to happen. I mean, they got to keep winning until like Thanksgiving or pretty close to it. Can they do it? Sure, they can. I mean, we've asked that. We've answered it. They can do it. We just don't know if they're going to. But we will talk about it on the show. Again, programming note, no show on Monday. I'm taking the weekend off, and I'm taking Monday off, and I'm taking Sunday off. I mean, uh, Tuesday off. NFL picks column, I'll come back with that. And so we'll have our picks with Uncle Big Nick on Thursday, Jeff Duncan on Friday to preview Saints Raiders. One game at a time, right? All they got to do is come together. Can this team come together? Just build some chemistry. Just say there's a chance. Just make someone believe that you give a rat's ass. I know something. I know one thing. If you're still listening to the show right now, you give a rat's ass. And we thank you for it. If you want to talk to me, at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter, at jderry at theadvocate.com is my email address. Datitude Podcast, wherever you find your podcast. You found it somehow. Keep finding it. We love you. Drop me a note. Say hello. Ask for a medal. Ask for a cookie. Whatever you want. Have a great weekend. And look, the Saints aren't playing on Sunday. You can enjoy the LSU and Tulane game on Saturday. But Sunday, give some time back to your wife and kids. They forgot what you look like. Make your little bets that we told you to make. Go off to the park. Have a little fun. Weather's supposed to be nice. You can come home and see how it's going and then maybe watch the late games. But rejoin yourself with your family. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next Thursday with Uncle Big Nick. Peace and love, my friends.